Cold hard beer. Is it really? That is why oh, it's a lacroix. It's, it's a lacroix. Are we pretty close to getting a sponsorship deal with the lacroix? I'm pretty sure we've mentioned like three or four times now. Mentioned who? Lacroix. Lacroix. Well, just because I love the fruity taste of their zero calorie sparkling water doesn't mean that they need to dive in and sponsor the podcast when we get such a regular supply of this delightful product anyway from any local supermarket. <laughs> ah, the taste of La Croix. Oh. Refreshing, huh? Refreshing. Peach and pear. Two of the faves. Peach and pear. Together again. Go bear. Um, pet peeve, right off the bat. Ooh. I just, uh, just this just triggered me. You know daylight when people uh, people order... Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were no. doing daylight savings. People order a lemon lime bitters and they go, mm, so refreshing. I hate that. It's the most, it's the most basic shit. Everyone, it's, it's what, it's what people say when they never go out of the house. I don't understand. Are you saying that a lemon lime and bitters isn't refreshing? Or are you saying it's so obviously refreshing that mentioning it is unnecessary? That's right. right. And it's also like, I feel like people say it because they've heard other people say it. Oh, you think people are saying, ah, this is refreshing specifically for lemon lime and bitters because they're copying other people who say that and not just because a lot of people have a drink because it's refreshing look i there is a slight chance i might be like reading into this too much or projecting yet again (sighs) refreshing you can do it with the look okay see what what is it about the llb then Surely LLBs more people have. Bait. Surely more people day to day are drinking a like than they are drinking an LLB. Well, okay, so <clears throat> yes, you've you've stumbled onto something quite quite important uh, and integral to my point here. The LLB um, is a drink that people discover. They don't necessarily think to order it. So hear me out here. I so am. You go to I, a, you I go, didn't say anything. You go to a pub and. You know, you're with a group of five people and two of them order a beer and one of them orders a lemonade, one of them orders a Coke, and then someone goes, I'm going to have a lemon lime bitters. It's a little bit like off the menu. And I think for that reason, people think that they are a little bit special and then they say, oh, it's just so refreshing when they take a sip and that annoys me. Okay. It feels like this is coming from a very real place of trauma, and I'm not trying to trivialize that. But I also think you're the only person in the world who's ever thought this, and you should be embarrassed. <laughs> it's also a very Adelaide drink. <laughs> well, here's, here's, um, here's genuinely my association with the lemon, lime, and bitters. My mum, that's her go-to drink. So if we're out at a pub, oh boy. where, you know, having a, a, a meal out, this is, you know, you're a kid, it's a Thursday night. Mum doesn't want to cook. Oh, let's just go and get something, you know, we'll go out. Or, you know, grandma's birthday, the whole family's got together. There's 12 of us at the Torrens Arms or something. Some people are having a beer. Some people are having a wine. My mum was never much of a drinker, but she would get a lemon, lime and bitters. And I think a lemon, lime and bitters is a drink that you can order somewhere else. It's not a drink that people ever make at home. And so it no. has sort. It's closer to the, I don't want to say cachet, but it is more of a go out and have a drink, drink than it is a, oh, I'll just crack one out of the fridge, drink. 
which you can totally do sure. for like any other soft drink. So I think it sits in this sort of comfortable middle ground where it's like almost a mocktail, where if you threw a yes. shot of like vodka in, you're in a, a cocktail territory. But instead... You're getting it for the price of a soft drink. You're getting soft drink prices. And yet it's not the same thing that you're having day to day. You know, it's still a little bit fun and, and exciting. Well, I didn't realise it was your mum's favourite drink. And I take it all back. I love you, Pippa. Um, I I love lemon lime bitters myself. I find them very refreshing. Um, and, <laughs> and you really often nice... say that with every sip. <laughs> <laughs> really, really great on a hot summer's day, you know? Yeah. When you're out but with I, friends. You know, to be honest... If I'm having an LLB, I want to be tasting the L. I want to be tasting the L and I want to be tasting the B. I don't want it too sweet. You know, I don't, if I have an LLB, <laughs> if, I'm having an, <laughs> if I'm having an LLB, I hate when it's too sweet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, let's almost do, do it with the soda water, right? Let's do it with a tonic water because I don't, uh, I hate when it feels mm-hmm. sickly. Am I, mm-hmm. am I out of yes. line there? No, this is, this is just brilliant. This is hard hitting stuff. This is, <laughs> this is serial season four, the kind of Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> journalism. And it's brought to you by La Croix. Yeah, every, Every now and then I have a little bit of an out-of-body experience uh, with this podcast uh-huh. and I get to see it as the, I get to hear it as the listeners hearing it. And I think, you know what? This is good journalism. This is good. Jo- and this is journalism. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one, journalism and two, good journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Deep Thought, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. What a lovely day it is outside, but it doesn't matter because you're inside and you're listening to us, and that can happen in any weather. This is a podcast in which we talk through the important things in the world, and I do it with my friend, Michael. Hey, Michael. What's up, fools? What's up, fools, indeed. Still in the um, sort of semi-brothely vibes of your Cambodian accommodation. How's it going? Two more nights, and you said it's a beautiful day outside. It's monsoon weather out there. It's torrential rain for me. So you do not speak for me. You never have and you never will. Okay. My apologies. Uh, I am excited by the idea of monsoon weather, though. Like that, for someone who's not living in it and doesn't have to suffer the power outages, uh, that's quite exciting. You know what? Wild weather is just exciting. I love wild weather. I genuinely agree and I genuinely get excited when it starts raining. If it's starting raining at like maybe even 10% more than just like drizzle. Like if, if it's audible in a way that suggests force on the roof, I'm opening the door and I'm going outside to look. And I know how this looks to KC. He's watched me do it where I'll hear it and I'll be like, Oh, and like turn on the light and go outside and have a look. Yeah. 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 And I genuinely am excited by the weather. And I think objectively we are in the minority, Michael. (laughs) I don't think this necessarily translates. Well, I I do exactly the same thing, um, but do you reckon it's something like primal? I th- I I think that it might be acting on something primal because you know historically and through evolution, uh, you know wild weather has kind of meant disastrous consequences for yeah, like we're, you know, we're your community or whatever to be aware of it. But now we have this uh, we have this security in our in our um, accommodation wherever we are. We have shelter. We can trust that it's. 
you know, I'm not speaking about myself right now in Cambodia, but, you know, in, in most parts of the world, or a lot of parts of the world, you can probably trust that um, the wild weather is not going to affect you. So you can just like marvel at it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it might be playing on this like this uh, wrestling, internal kind of wrestling that you have as a as a as a mammal that is kind of th- uh, ex- uh, like kind of nervous or, or frightened or worried about the weather, but with the security of the shelter that you have. And so it creates excitement. I wonder if it triggers almost like a fight or flight, right? Because if you're out there on yeah. the savanna and there's lightning cracking and stuff, like your animal brain would be saying, okay, do I need to go and find shelter or am I like facing this thing head on? Like, what are we doing? And I think you're mm. right. I think there's some sort of like DNA remnant like deep in our ancient <laughs> genealogy that still goes, yeah. oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Mm. Yeah, th- th- I love those moments because you, you feel you feel alive. I like feeling like a an animal. It's like the primal, you know, these days, you, you know, our primal urges or our primal instincts uh, kind of um, uh, the dials turn way down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have, you know, sex and weather and, you know, I guess, um, I guess, I guess panic attacks yeah. to just remind you that you are an animal. <laughs> the big three, sex, weather, and panic attacks. <laughs> yeah. That's the Bungee title. jumping. That's the fourth. Yeah. Those are the four that we have left. The only ways that we can enjoy animalistic thrills. Well, actually, that's a good point because <clears throat> well, it's a, I don't know if it's a good point. It's an interesting point. Where, you know how like, uh, I think we've talked about heights before and maybe you know, having some innate fear of heights. Most people have some sort of fear of heights there. But, like, that seems to me to be, like, a bit of a strange one because, you know, when when in our evolution did we really encounter heights apart from, like, cliffs? You know, I just don't understand if we... I don't know if our brains can fathom falling from a huge height and why it's so, it's so terrifying. Well, it must you know, be I, from... I, from- practical realities right like it must be cliffs like surely that's enough right for that fear to be manifest i guess your brain can do the calculation and and work out that that means death yeah well you you, like you wouldn't even have to do the calculation like it would have begun by monkey fall off tree and fall too far and die or you know Mm. antelope slip down cliff and and hit the bottom and die and and mm. that kind of evidence would be everywhere. Sure. No, that's a good point. Also, I love those poems. Yeah, thank you. Uh, monkey fall off cliff and die. <laughs> tree. Antelope tree. fall off tree. Okay, if you're going to quote my poem, <laughs> if you're going to quote my poem, do it accurately, please. I like the I like the antelope and the tree. Okay. Um, so you were remixing. I was remixing. Okay. It. But apologies. okay, just 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 sticking out this one more. I've you know because I've got lot, lots of thoughts. Um, the we may have discussed this before we've just probably just we've i think we've discussed everything at this point yeah ticked it all off but bungee jumping bungee jumping to me i think i haven't i haven't done i have done neither skydiving nor bungee jumping but i feel like bungee jumping would be more scary because from a plane that's when your brain is just like what where where am i like yeah. that's like completely outside of the realm of possible uh, genetic memory or whatever yeah. so i feel like there's a there's like a threshold there that if you pass through it in a plane like literally 
that your brain is just like, oh, well, it's just like you know, space or whatever. Like, so I feel like bungee jumping to me seems uh, less, uh, is more terrifying than skydiving. Yeah, I would never bungee jump. I just, it doesn't appeal to me. And I feel like the the margin for error is so much smaller. Whereas like in a, yeah. in a um, skydiving situation, you have A, minutes before you're hitting the ground, right? Like you've got so much more yeah. time there to identify and deal with problems. B, you've got yep. a backup parachute. So if something goes wrong, there's a built-in safety. With a bungee, there is like five seconds between you jumping and you being at like the peak extension or whatever. That's not enough time for anything. You're completely not in any control, right? Mm. And there's no backups. There's no like, oh, we'll put the second rope on. There's no, you know, like if it fails, it fails. <laughs> so I, there's yeah, just yeah, yeah. no... I have no and and also the act of the spring like the sudden change in g-forces as well of going from complete descent or extension into the retraction and and the the strain that puts on your body as it comes springing back up again like that's also not a very good force to put on a body it just does not appeal to me at all no and you're you're in the land of the bunch over Mm. there aren't you you can fucking bunge everywhere. You bunge to the supermarket. You you know bunge to go fill up your car. It is is so yeah, normalized right. here, but they're completely oblivious to the dangers. You're also at the mercy of the instructor, 100%. which is another kind of kind of weird element. We had we had a funny experience here where we went to a water park in Penang, and um, they have one of these water slides. And I haven't been to a water park in you know probably twenty years. It was a lot of fun, mm. but they had one of these water slides that you kind of stand on a platform so you're vertical and then they remove the chute oh, and you and go vertically down. down yeah straight down and then it kind of bring you, you slide back up and you do it you go in the air for like a few milliseconds and then splash into the water and this kit and you know this is not a this is a, a southeast asian water park and uh, so it's not like it's 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 got some standards, but it doesn't have this, you know, all it's the standards. It's perhaps not as expected. engineered to Disneyland standards of like safety and reliability. Yeah. I would say it probably wouldn't pass a, a health and safety um, audit uh-huh. um, in Australia or, or New Zealand. But anyway, so this, uh, so you kind of, you, you have to walk up all these like rickety stairs to get there. And then there's some kid who is controlling the whole thing and he's basically just going, He's like slamming his foot down. Once he locks you in to the gla- uh, to the glass chute, uh, he like counts you down really quickly, and he slams his foot on the pedal, and the f- the chute goes over open, and you and you just rock it down. And um, so it's not there's, so. There's no what's sorry? Can you just explain to me what the release mechanism is? Is it a trapdoor where like it flaps open, or is it a yeah, retraction I- like a automatic door? Uh, so it's 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 one if you can imagine like a square grid uh, you know maybe one meter by one meter yeah grid and then it's connected to a a lever that is opened so the chute is opened by pressing on a lever and that that is done by the the person who is operating it at that time but it's a single pivot point like it swings on one axis yes back up and tucks underneath Yes, correct. Okay, yeah, because I'm just trying to picture how, for instance, they stop your head from banging on the thing as you fall through, or you know how your feet yeah, so don't you're catch kind of, on it. You're kind of leaning. You're kind of leaning your back against the the wall. 
Okay. And you're crossing your arms like a Dracula. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, it's, it's kind of terrifying just walking up these stairs because it's like quite a long way up. And anyway, yeah. I went up to this, I went up to do it and, uh, and there was this young, so that there was a young guy, maybe like 16, he's operating it. He's kind of joking around with his friends. It's a little bit unnerving. But then there's this like really young kid, maybe about eight years old, who's really psyched himself up to do this big slippy dippy slide yeah right and you can tell he's terrified you know we're kind of watching everyone go down before us you know there's about five minutes in the line and anyway this guy this kid like gets up it gets to his turn and he reluctantly gets in and he's shaking and and then he then he steps out and he's like i can't do it and he lets his friend go ahead and then this this guy who's operating it, this sixteen year old boy, he's just like, "Are you going to go in now?" He's like putting pressure on him after his friend goes ahead, and he's just like, uh, "Okay." And he's he's kind of succumbing to the peer pressure, so he gets in the he gets in the tube, and they sh- and the guy shuts the door, and then this kid, I felt so bad for him, he immediately once he's like standing in there he's like i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it and he <laughs> wants to get out and he starts like knocking on the thing and no. where 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 we're watching this like yeah. everyone in the line is watching this and we're going oh man this is like heartbreaking yeah and this fucking 16 year old kid who's offering the ride goes okay one two three bike and just like <laughs> he just like makes him like tear down it and this kid is screaming, screaming. for his life um but any but he Happy ending for this story. Okay. Uh, I, I, I went up on this ride a couple of times and I actually saw this kid again. Okay. So he, he, he did it, it and he overcame and he it and, and he came back. Oh, so that is a happy ending. I felt really proud for him. Yeah. And how, how did you experience it? Did you scream on the way down? Um, I think a silent, I think it was a silent scream. Right. A I mouth was, open. I was, a mouth <laughs> I was trying to do like little, I was trying to do tricks and it's called the banana flip. So you go down really fast and it flings you in the air. And I was trying to do like, you know, uh, uh, somersaults or whatever, but you know, it's, it's difficult when you're under high pressure like that. <laughs> yeah. With everyone watching as well. Yeah. Go to um, stage fright. How have you found Cambodia? Where are you off to in two days? It were back, back to Vietnam. Back to Vietnam. Doing... Yeah, well, they've just opened up their uh, three-month tourist visa, which has been closed or unattainable for, since COVID. So they've literally just opened it back up again. Um, and we're kind of hopping around Southeast Asia at the moment because the longest we can stay is like one month. Yeah. Um, and so we're right next to it and we really liked it. And so now we're just going to explore kind of the south. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> previously we were kind of like in the north and the, the central areas of vietnam so there's so much it's such a huge country mm. um and the and the you know cuisine like uh, the food is quite different and highly specialized in in certain cities and stuff so we're just gonna we really liked it the first time so we're gonna go there and try and spend some more time in um kind of more mountainous regions and remote areas um just to get more of a i don't know a like a a home homestay kind of yeah i mean if you uh, can be there for three months and 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 even if you just based yourself for one month somewhere like that's a that's a a a significant different feel yeah totally and we we, in all these countries that we're going to in cities like they are so busy and it does kind of take a toll on your like 
you know, even just to go out to get a bottle of water, it, sometimes it's like it's a bit like intense. Yeah. Um, and there's so much like beautiful countryside and mountainside that you can explore in these places and you can do it for cheap. So I think our, our game plan from here is try and be amongst, you know, kind of be closer to nature. Yeah. And live a bit more simply. So we are now end of September. Have you started to think like, where do I want to be Christmas? Does Christmas mean anything to you? Um, well, y- uh, y- yes and no. It, Christmas, in, you, I think you mean in terms of like, in terms where, of like, if you internally are celebrating anything. Like, obviously, you're, you're probably not in a place which is going to have celebrations, and you're not intending to you know, see family or anything, but does it mean anything in terms of where you want to be for that kind of period? Well, I mean, we are kind of, um, we are considering going to Europe around December because our visa will run out in December uh, in Vietnam. So we are considering going to Europe for like winter. So there's, there's a possibility that we might be there. There's a possibility that we might still be in Southeast Asia, and there's another possibility that we might be back home. Um, so uh, we, we just don't know. It's too much. Back in the home. Year. We've got like, I mean, potentially. Just uh, to say hi like, and keep a, moving, you mean, or to, to wrap it up? Well, I don't, we don't know. We don't know. It, it depends on a few things. It depends on how we can find, uh, you know, how well our, our job hunts can be. Um, yeah. And I think part of the challenge that we've experienced is that um, finding uh, work that's remote that pays, uh, you know, a, appropriate amount uh, is not full time. Uh, there's all these like boxes that you know you're kind of trying to tick off, and the, that 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 job pool that you're going for, and we've been you know applying for jobs for a few months. We're actually looking for like very specific require like yeah. um, uh, properties of the job. Yeah, um, which is that it's kind of kind of difficult. So, you know, I don't. I think our, you know our savings will will keep lasting us. But I think um, it's if we do end up going back home, which I, it's not necessarily something that we're planning for. It's just an, an option, a possibility. Point, yeah, um, that will that will be um, determined by you know our, our stamina and our will, our uh, our resilience, I guess, to a degree, um, because yeah. it is like. You know, we have a lot of we have a lot of time here where we are we're not necessarily we we're seeing a lot of people who are on holiday, right? And we're not necessarily on holiday. We're kind of we're you know living in places for a a longer period of time than people would on holiday, mm-hmm. but a shorter period of time than people who actually live here. Yeah, so it's this very weird experience and the types of places, the Airbnbs, the hotels. We're seeing all these people. It's like quite transient. The the the, the people that you see here, and it's very, uh, it's 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 a very strange feeling um, when you're not doing that. You kind of feel like you're either missing out on something, but then there is also like, you know, we we feel guilty if we're not being productive and you know trying to improve our resume and our portfolios and and all this stuff. So we feel guilty if we don't do that, but then we also feel guilty if we don't you know, Enjoy get out the and places see the you're in. Yeah. country. So we're in kind of no man's land. And, and, you know, that's another thing that is, is always going to be difficult to anticipate. And, you know, we're just working this stuff out as we go along. So we, we didn't know, we've never done this necessarily like, like this before. So um, I guess that's what we're trying to like 
balance. And, and on top of that, you're getting like, because of the amount of uh, job applications you're sending out, you're getting like a ton of rejection, which is fine. You kind of get used to it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it, there's all these kind of plate, spinning plates that, that we're trying to keep going at, at any given point. And, you know, we don't really know what our next three months is going to look like. And that's exciting as well. But it's also, it's, you, you, you kind of crave stability, you crave normality, you crave uh, familiarity of things. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's also really fun as well. And we have to kind of remind ourselves that it, that it is fun. And, um, you know, like four months ago when I was, in Melbourne, and I'm speaking for Lauren as well here. Like we were, we were desperate to leave. We couldn't wait. We couldn't wait to leave. Um, and it's funny now, four months in, that we kind of, um, fan, you know, before in Melbourne, we would kind of daydream about all these exotic places that we would go to. And yeah. now we're kind of finding ourselves in four months in and daydreaming about home. And uh, you know, I even. I, I find myself doing the strangest things. I, 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 I used to walk to work every day. It was nothing too, uh, necessarily exciting about that walk, but I just found myself on Google Street View just doing the walk from my old place to work. Wow. Just, I know, it's, it's really, really odd. And it just, uh, I don't know, just like the familiarity of it was, uh, I don't know, I've, I was definitely getting some sort of um, uh uh, dopamine hit from it yeah that so yeah that's kind of the state of play at the moment it's interesting i, I got a, a couple of thoughts one there is that it reminds me of uh the covid lockdown feeling that i felt being in new zealand where i'd gone back to australia on the regular sort of once a year and you'd take it you know going 12 months without seeing people in person was sort of normal and you didn't think about it but then when those borders went up and you you couldn't move and you couldn't travel or whatever all of a sudden right. i was like oh home home like home home has this thing yeah, and remember yeah. when you would like go and get a pasty from the bakery or you know sit in your backyard for yeah, a bit yeah, like yeah, those yeah. kind of things suddenly have that additional power because it's no longer yeah. the norm right um, so it does remind me of, you know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I think that's true of travel. Like travel changes you in the sense that you come back and you see where you lived with new eyes. And it sounds like you've crossed cool. that threshold now where your new normal is such that the contrast to your old life is, is more obvious than ever. Um, so I'm, mm. I'm not surprised. I mean, four months is a, a pretty hefty amount of time to be in very different environments. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 just, just, um, tacking on that, the, um, the, it's funny. It's surprising to me how the travel itself can become so normalized when you're doing it so much. And, you know, we're hopping, we're hopping borders every month, at least hopping, we're going on planes, but sometimes we're taking domestic flights, um, within these countries. So the, the con like the idea of travel, I've always been someone who loved travel. I would, you know, I'll take you to the airport just to, just to go to the airport, you know? And well, you've um, always loved sp spending like $14 on a ham and cheese croissant. So there was other reasons that you enjoyed it too. <laughs> Adelaide airport has the best ham and cheese croissants. I, I don't know what to do about that. Um, but like, you know, 
travel was is 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 has always been you know one of the most exciting things to for me but like yeah i feel like there has been some sort of um mundanity creeping in and like normalization of travel and you know even though we're going to from vietnam to cambodia to uh, malaysia and there are obviously big differences in those countries there are also a lot of things that feel exactly the same Mm. um and you know just kind of the vibe is more or less the same and it kind of more feels like going from i don't know melbourne to queensland maybe um and and that's not i i'm fully aware that there's like (laughs) a lot of history and differences in culture there but you know you do kind of also feel well you know it's southeast asia yeah a little bit um, so yeah, I am a little bit surprised by, by just being, you know, the other thing is like, we we're going to, you know, we have an international flight uh, in two days and, you know, if you're back home and you have an international flight, it's like probably all you're thinking about for like two weeks or three weeks or a month mm. in advance. And then at, the, at this point, we're just like, oh yeah, we've got to go to Vietnam in two days. Like we, it just occurs to us, you know, like, yeah. so that kind of excitement is, is, is diminishing a little bit. Mm. Well, I, I have uh, one idea to throw out there. Uh, fruit picking in New Zealand. You're looking yep. for steady work. There's a ton of people looking for fruit pickers here in New Zealand, and you can see the whole country just going from place to place. Pick some apples here, pick some broccoli here, you know, make your way up and down the country. Paid work, paid lodging. Not to, p- to pick a brock. That's what they say. That's the ad campaign. I'm glad that you've seen it already. Pick some brock. Pucks, pucks and um, how do they how do they how's the fruit picking pay there yeah it's pretty good i think yeah. it's like 55 an hour no it's not cents cents ah. fruit picking new zealand things are getting wild pick nz.co.nz <laughs> good name it's a good name is this is this really what we're doing right now? I don't know. It's, it's, where, just, it's where I ended up distracted. You can get up to $200 a week accommodation costs for 26 weeks. You get $500 paid halfway through your work and $500 paid when your work ends. You get support with costs for daily transport to work, clothing, work gear, moving home, training for the job. Anyway, that was just a thought. It, it would um, actually yeah, maybe, maybe. pay you money, money. Maybe we will... Uh, maybe we will pick broccolis in New Zealand. That is another option. Yeah. Did I tell you that I was gaslit at an Indian restaurant recently? <laughs> no, you didn't. Do you want me to tell you? I'd love to. It's I fucking, thought that's what pretty... you were setting up. If that was all the story was, I, I would almost suggest it's not worth bringing up. It's pretty shocking. It's pretty shocking behavior. Okay. So I, I went and I was just fanging for a cousin. Fanging for a cousin, Nick. You started to say curry, and then you decided that was too normal, and you I backed was, out. Like, it was fanging for a curry. I mean, cousin. <laughs> Trying to relate to the youth. Sorry. Um, fanging for a cuz, and uh, in Phnom Penh, and um, I found this one place. A lot of Indian food in Southeast Asia is surprisingly expensive like relative to the local dishes. 
So yeah. it was more of a treat treat yourself thing. And I was out by, I was out by myself, and I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself to. I was just I just wanted a vindaloo, just wanted a really spicy, fuck me up vindaloo. And I found this one place that had decent ratings down the road from me and it was like relatively cheap. So I was like, I'll pop in there. And it was like pissing down with rain. So there was kind of no one on the street, no one in the restaurants. So I, I walk in like a drenched rat and the owners are there like kind of surprised that I'm coming in and maybe annoyed. It's like 7.30. There's annoyed literally no one as in the if they were hoping to shut down or whatever. I am possibly, I just, I got bad vibes from them immediately and um and so they they sat me down i think also maybe they see like a white person come in and they're like i'm going to have to i'm going to have to like coach <laughs> this person through the menu and everything yeah luckily we, like, i knew mild up all our sources <laughs> yeah exactly but luckily i knew exactly what i wanted so i said uh you know lamb lamb vindaloo it was on the menu lamb vindaloo they're like okay okay it's like one kind of older guy um so this guy, ta- I mean, I think he's the chef as well as the waiter, as well as the owner. Okay. So I'm like, family biz. Yeah, this might- not that many staff yeah. on. Yeah. Right. And I'm doing this. I'm doing this stupid thing lately that, you know, when my food's taking a long time, I start looking up the place and I check the reviews while the food's coming out, which is so dumb, because then you're just then you're expecting badness. You know. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm, I'm more surprised the- that you don't pre-check before you go to a place and make that decision. Okay. Let me clarify. I, you know, I immediately, when I was looking for an Indian restaurant near me, I was seeing that a 4.2, 4.3 star restaurant, that's good enough for me, but I'm not going into the reviews to check sure. what they are. Okay. Yeah. You, you had the, you had the big picture 4.2. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and so I'm waiting for this food. It's taking like 20 minutes to come out. I'm the only person in here. And that's I start reading the reviews flag. and they're like, I agree. I agree. And I'm checking the reviews and then like that sinking feeling, you know, when the first four reviews are like one star reviews. So this um, is like a long-standing restaurant yeah. that has previously been good and has kind of been up. Their, their, their ratings just been shipping down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're still at a 4.2, but they really should be maybe a point one yeah and the reviews are like owners rude food is bland i'm like ah why do i do this to myself anyway half an hour goes by the food finally comes out and what he what he puts in front of me and i'm going to send this to you nick oh okay so i ordered a vindaloo yeah do you say lamb vindaloo lamb vindaloo so that's sent through okay that is so a hot yellow to you yeah that is a a hot hot yellow yellow. with a lot of oil on the top and i can't even Mm -hmm. see what meat is in it but maybe like a chicken so i think that i that to me looks like a dal that looks like heavy turmeric Uh uh-huh it is heavy turmeric you know and i i've cooked vindaloo i'm a vindaloo aficionado in, in many ways and that is not a vindaloo. Vindaloo is brown, maybe slightly red. Yeah. It's uh, some people I would use say tomatoes. Strongly red. Yeah, almost black yeah. sometimes. Yeah, There's brown, brown to red to dark. Yeah. yeah. But one thing it ain't is yellow. Yeah. Okay. 
so he hands me this and I look at him and he's not, he's not really giving me much eye contact. And I'm kind of like, I'm trying to look confused. I'm trying, I'm so hoping that he catches my confusion. Yeah. And then I can open up a conversation about how my food is wrong. Um, so this is he, pre-taste. He just, you, haven't, you haven't tried it. You just looked pre-taste. at it and you're like, okay, face, face response engaged. Yeah. So he just walks, walks on away. And so I, I, take a, I take a little taste of this and, you know, it, no surprises. It tasted like coconut and turmeric and it didn't taste like lamb and it didn't look like lamb. Yeah. So I asked this guy, I said, I, by the way, I don't like doing this. I especially don't like doing this in a foreign country Yeah. because I feel like I, I'm the guest, you know, yeah. I, you know, I want to be polite, but I'm like, this is kind of bullshit. And, and I was also just really hankering for a, a vindaloo. Yeah. So I, he's gone into the back, so I have to like stand up and call him out of the back. And yeah. then he comes out and I say, hey, is this, uh, is this Vindaloo? And he goes, yes, Vindaloo. And I'm like, but it's, it's yellow. And he goes, Vindaloo. And then just walks on back, okay. back of house. Okay. So basically the end of this is I just ate the curry and left feeling really annoyed. <laughs> okay. I really thought there was more, more coming, Michael. No, <laughs> Your story had a really nice build up and then absolutely Thanks. no end. <laughs> you just Well, just a quick it just, end. It, it was there's not even like a clarification whether it was or was not lamb. Well, I didn't get that information. Well, did you what did you eat? What was there meat in there? There was meat in there. I don't know what it was. It wasn't lamb. It was It was maybe like, I don't know. It could have been like, it could have been chicken, quite frankly. But I was just kind of angrily scoffing it to get out of there because I felt like, I felt lied to. I felt gaslit. And I, <laughs> I, I was just like, this is like, maybe tell me, Ugh. this is what I think, this is what I think happened. I think, you know, they were maybe looking to close up shop. I was the only one in there. They probably didn't have a vindaloo sauce ready to go or he couldn't be bothered. So he was like, this stupid fucking white guy is coming here. He probably doesn't know the difference between a Vinny and a Maddie madras. <laughs> well, a madras would also be a lot redder. Like there's no yeah. way you could pass it off as a madras. Oh, may- maybe a korma. Yeah, sure. Yeah, good. good so, yeah. Thanks, Nick. Um, so I think he's just gone, you know, I'll just give him whatever. And he'll probably be happy with it, which I wasn't, obviously. Um, and he's just tried to pull the wool over my my eyes there, and I felt I felt incensed. Yeah. Well, do you want for the first time ever us to jump on with our deep fort uh, Google reviews account and just leave a negative Google review for the restaurant? Well, I've, I've for the first time, the obviously that we we haven't done that before, and it hasn't no. come up. And we certainly haven't done it with uh, what was a it? dumpling Mr. place Kim's in the middle of town. Yeah. Dumplings, yeah, no, definitely haven't. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I immediately, as soon as I left that place, I went outside and banged away on my phone uh, a, a nasty review. And by nasty, I mean um, I was I gaslit. Wish I screenshotted it. 
And that would have been good if I was just like, I was, I was gaslit. I use all this like, like modern therapy language, like Jonah Hill language. Oh God. <laughs> Jonah Hill reviews a bad doll. <laughs> That's a segment. That's a That's segment. A segment. Yeah. Th- I, uh, I experienced a lot of trauma from this. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, we don't need to. Well, you know, it's not the worst story we've told on this podcast, but it's not. Perhaps a, a recent highlight either. Oh, okay. Wow. Didn't realize we were reviewing. Well, it, just didn't, it didn't really have, it. you know, I thought there was more coming. I wanted a That's fist life, fight. Nick. I also thought there was more coming. <laughs> Vindaloo. Look, that's, not, that's life, Nick. Not every, not every story in life has a perfect, you know, arc and, um, you know, denouement. Okay. That's what you wanted. Well, that's a very deep philosophical point, and maybe that makes it all worth it. In the meantime, uh, I think it's time for some mailbag, because this oh. is this is a, an important oh. follow-up that has been pending for a while. Okay, let's go. Play the jingle. Mailbag, mailbag, it's a weekly mailbag. Deep thoughts, mailbag. Okay, here, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have something to say, Michael? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, okay. I didn't. So we got an email here today uh, referring to something we discussed two episodes ago. Uh, it is from our good friend, Casper. Casper writes, hello, Deep Fort. Casper here of Young Sea fame, referring to his musical debut on this podcast. Just a few comments on the chess scandal from your last ep. Love chess getting some airtime, albeit for the wrong reasons. There are two different things here. So just to throw your mind back, uh, there was a mention a few episodes ago that there had been changes to the admission policies or the, the pro tier of chess playing that was excluding trans women from competing. Do you remember this discussion, Michael? I sure do. Well, uh, we'd asked for comments from the chess fans in the audience and Casper has helped us out. So there are two different things here. The first is the banning trans women from women-only chess events, which I agree is ridiculous. While it's true statistically that there are many more strong male players, it's absurd to suggest that's due to a biological advantage and not its heavily male-centric culture, both historical and current. I assume and can only hope that FIDE, the chess authority, will backtrack on this. The other thing you mentioned, the stripping of held held titles if a woman transitions to a man but not the reverse, meaning men transitioning to women can keep their titles, is a little more complicated. On the surface, it sounds outrageous, but it does make some sense. The minimum FIRED rating, which is an ELO system, to be awarded the title of WGM, the Women's Grandmaster, is 2300, whereas for Grandmaster, the minimum rating is 2500. So it makes sense that trans women could retain their Grandmaster titles, but trans men could not. I'm not sure why they made the rating lower for a women's grandmaster in the first place or even created the title as grandmaster is an open title, not a male one. I can only guess that it's because they wanted to see more young girls and women get into chess and of the 924 active players above 2500 FIDE rating, only 13 are women. 
So, mm. so in the pursuit of greater representation and equity in the game, I do follow the logic, though I can see legitimate arguments for and against. Anyway, hopefully that sheds a little light, and here's my vote for Chess Chat to develop into a segment on the show. I know you both love an excuse for a good jingle, and God knows you need the content, so I've whipped up some possible titles. <laughs> it's not all black and white. Or checking in, pretty good. That's pretty good. Pornhub, spelt with an A-W-N, porn. Or oh, that's good. Michael's Checkered Past. Hasta okay. la vista. See. Oh. Thank you, Casper. Uncharacteristically uh, informative email from Casper there. Yes, very informative. And uh, overdue follow-up on that discussion from a few episodes back. So that does that does help uh, illuminate the situation. I haven't actually checked to see whether there's been any um, further developments in that story. Um, and but we won't. informative. And we won't. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. And God knows we need the content. Good email, that one. Good email. It's nice getting Casper. those... Um, those emails in from from our listeners that are actually like actual emails that yeah. are thoughtful. Yeah, it's and nice. of course, if you want to participate by sending, you know, suggestions about how Michael can find a good vendaloo, send them to deepfort at gmail.com and we can read them out in a future mailbag sent. But it'll be it'll be helpful. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> Michael, do you have any weird news? Fucking hell, good dog. Um. Yeah. 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 I've got. I've got a big old. WN for you here. Big old whopping. All right. This is why I don't do intros. Play the jing. In the news today from the strange and weird fact file. Well, for decades, only crackpots and crazy people believed in UFOs. Deputies still say anyway. the suspect told them he's been performing sex acts on animals since the 1970s. So I told about my close encounter with the Yeti. A sticky situation at an airport in Tennessee after baggage this is deep thought weird news with michael zuberf plus sludge <laughs> all right so this one was an actual um an actual story for once um, <laughs> wait wait what are you saying about the quality of your other news sources in weird news prior are you suggesting this is maybe a segment I based think, on think... quote-unquote journalism Versus like legitimate <laughs> journalism. Well, it's it's one of the one of the few articles uh, for weird news that hasn't come out of the Sun. UK. Oh, okay. Um, or or Lad Bible, or um, those <laughs> institutions of journalistic integrity. But this can, is actually I, from I, the before, Guardian. Can I just like very briefly, just because you brought that up, um, it made yeah. me think of old Rupee's retirement. Do you have any thoughts on like we've talked yeah. previously about how Murdoch was possibly the most dangerous, horrible, um, you know, impact from his uh, tenure on Earth. And he's, he's stepping down. Did you, do you have any thoughts on that? Honestly, every... Uh, I didn't have a lot of um, feelings or thoughts regarding it, but everything to me about Rupert Murdoch now is just framed through succession. So I'm just kind of thinking about it, like Brian Cox is who's 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 taking over, and you know yeah. that's how I'm just like, what's the behind the scenes looking like yeah. at the moment? The that's theme song's about. playing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it went to the um, the the best boy, the oldest boy. So we'll see what happens. Sorry, I just you said son, and I thought about it. Um. All right. So 
coming out of the Guardian. Um, so this this made the rounds last week. Uh, a Danish artist who submitted empty frames as artwork was told to repay the funding. So I I'll just read the article here. A Danish artist who pocketed large sums of money lent to him by a museum and submitted empty frames as his artwork has been ordered by a court to repay the funds. Jens Harning, a conceptual artist whose work focuses on power and, and inequality, was commissioned in 2021 by the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Aalborg, northern Denmark, to recreate two earlier works that used scores of banknotes to represent average incomes. Harning's 2007 work, An Average Danish Annual Income, <laughs> displayed kroner notes fixed to canvas in a frame, and a second 2011 work about Austrian incomes used euro bills. The museum provided about 532,000 kroner, which is about 62,000 pounds or euro, from its reserves to recreate artworks as well as an artist fee of about 40,000 kroner. But when staff unpacked the newly delivered works, they found two empty frames with the title, Take the Money and Run. The museum put the new artworks on display, but when Harning declined to return the money, it took, it took legal action. On Monday, a court in Copenhagen ordered the artist to repay the money that was, that was lent to him, but said he should still be paid his fee. At the time, uh, the director of the Kunsten Museum told The Guardian, we are not a wealthy museum. We have to think carefully about how we spend our funds, and we don't spend more than we can afford. Hanning told the artist, told Danish radio at the time, the work is that I have taken their money. It's not theft. It is a breach of contract, and breach of contract is part of the work. He added, I encourage other people who have working conditions as miserable as mine to do the same. If they're sitting in some city, shitty job and not getting paid and are actually being asked to pay money to go to work, then grab what you can and beat it. <laughs> it goes on, but I think I, I can just leave it there. Yeah. But yeah, pretty interesting uh, conceptual art piece. I mean, a kind of it's got Banksy vibes. I was going to um, say, I wonder how this would have gone down if Banksy had done it. But it is kind of yes, exactly. The the the, the empty frames would be worth thousands, millions. Um, but yeah, it is it is an interesting. It's kind of uh, I guess I do find it interesting, and it has become a news story, which adds cachet and value to the art. So it, there is a potential for this artwork to actually you know find some value. Well, I but mean, it is uh, how many millions of people around the world have now heard about this artist and this this stunt. You know, maybe exactly maybe yeah. part of the logic behind it is do this, expect to cause a stink, brag about it on radio, and again, all the hubbub is part of the impact, right? Like if you're a conceptual artist, mm. any sort of discussion is is a win, right? And it's also kind of a winning uh, to uh, just like Joe Blow because you know people have I think every everyday kind of people who aren't necessarily um, you know, art inclined. Uh, they 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 have this kind of sense that art's kind of bullshit, or you know, it's people staring at paintings is kind of self indulgent and, and pretentious. Yeah. So I think it does play to you know those that the regular person who doesn't actually appreciate art because they go, oh look, he's 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 uh, he's making Sticking a mockery of man. pretentiousness. Yeah. So it's pretty conceptually, it's actually. I find it pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I think he probably knows as well that 
legally he had no legs to it because what the contract stated, at least from what you read in the article, was that they were going to lend him the cash to reproduce Mm. the art. Because if the art is sticking a bunch of notes together to make a statement about the the worth that's not actually an expense you know like at the Mm. end of the um, installation the museum could reasonably have expected to take that those cash notes back and you know it becomes their property again and then that's why the artist gets paid their forty thousand as the as the fee because that's actually the compensation for the work created so i think on its face Mm. the idea that he would say okay yes you've given me the cash you know, you've given me the the product to build my art out of and with the expectation it's going back and actually I'm going to keep all that for myself and not even use it in the thing. I'm sure that he knows that he has absolutely no right to that money. Yeah. So well, he's, you he's have to assume... stolen money. Yeah. It's stolen money. Um, and he but says on the radio it's a breach it. of contract. <laughs> so he knows it. <laughs> but um, I think... You, it's all the, very charming, actually. Yeah. I think it's... The fact that he got dragged into court about it. Like, do you think that the museum wanted this to be a court case? No, they probably said, well, look, give us back the money and we can just like put this behind us. And he says, no, because he wants it to go to court because that's the art, right? It's the publicity. It's the publicity. It's the story. It's the controversy. It's the discussion about it that is actually the, the piece that he's presenting right so yeah at the end of the day the museum is going to get their money back he's got all this publicity I, honestly it's just like a win, everybody win. wins everyone wins <laughs> exactly exactly and the, and the, the court loser. still paid the court said he deserves the money because he's presented an art piece so they've recognized it as a, a f- effective you know communication so yeah yeah well win, it, win. it poses an interesting question as well i mean the 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 photo for this um, for this article is a as a woman kind of with her arms crossed, staring at this blank canvas. Yeah, you know, as if to read into it, which uh, uh, it's, just, it's just very funny. I guess the only loser here is the art world, who have kind of been made a fool of a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't even say necessarily that's universal. The gallery has possibly been made to look a little bit of a fool. But how many people mm. are going to go and now see this thing, right? Like how many people are going to come mm. through the door or have heard about a place to visit now? But um, in terms of the art world, I can't imagine that it's like a universal. Everyone's going, tut, tut, yeah, you know, this guy's making a mockery of us. I'm sure there are just as many people out there who are being like, yeah, that's funny or that's effective or that's yeah. clever. You know, it's yeah. very hard to to herd the cats that is the <laughs> the artist, you know, world. Um, True. Yeah, so interesting little story uh, last week. A little bit of a little bit of fun. Have you done any like galleries or muse- museums or things where you've been around? Yeah, lots. It's one of the you know typically one of the free things that you can do here yeah. uh, in in Asia. So we can yeah we've been we've been doing lots. Um, where did we go recently? Um, well, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but uh, there's like quite a few. There's quite a thriving. Uh, art community especially in thailand but also in cambodia and a lot of like traditional meeting modern um artists and i think it's it's quite interesting seeing these these countries that have for many years kind of at least been closed off possibly closed off to the western world but then rapidly urbanizing and developing and 
kind of you and kind of relaxing a little bit and mm. seeing like the youth culture kind of evolve out of that and blossom out of that it's uh there are some exciting parts of Southeast Asia where you're seeing a lot of young artists put up exhibitions. So we've, yeah, we've enjoyed quite a bit of it actually. What's the media that you're seeing, like paintings or sculpture or? or... Uh, there was that we went to one gallery that was um, the concept was it's so uh, everybody cries sometimes. So it was kind of all black and white. It was kind of installations with visual art with sculptures it was mm. kind of all encompassing multimedia there was like yeah there was another one that we just had like kind of they had like characters and so all of the art was this like specific character that you could interact with you know it's a lot of like instagrammy kind of um art installations that okay you know pe- young people just come in to get a photo with they don't give a shit about the art they just want to get oh a i see instagrammy not in terms of the artist's intent but in terms of like as a visitor say you've been there or shown you've been there or sure yeah. you've been there yeah yeah and that's kind of the thing with art like in this and this guy this danish artist has kind of shown that it's like art is is hype like so much of art is hype like think about the mona lisa the mona lisa if you knew nothing about it you'd walk past it and I, you know we've we've agreed on this before yeah that the mona lisa is, is nothing but what the Moe Lisa has become is this thing that everyone knows. Yeah. Well, it's the thing. Have you seen Glass Onion? Yes. It's the thing of, of that where some of the reactions, okay, spoilers coming for Glass Onion. Uh, at the end of that film, the Mona Lisa is burnt, burnt, burnt to a crisp. And mm. there was reaction in some of the aftermath of, of that release with some critics or viewers saying that, that felt like a step too far, that that was sacrilegious for, uh, you know, the, the protagonist character to have done this or for the expectation of the director that the audience would see this as a, a win or something like that because of what it represents, which is the Mona Lisa almost represents art itself to humanity, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the face of art. Um, yeah. But you're right, like we've talked in a vacuum, like whether or not you put that in a, a hall full of other portraits whether that one intrinsically would be seen the same way um in a vacuum yeah 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 art's bullshit isn't it (laughs) but that's what makes it so special is that it can be something to anyone right like you can define not just visual art but any art music means something to someone and Mm. and something completely different to another you know a track can hit you or not hit you and a visual Mm. piece can trigger something or you just walk right by it. It's that's the reflection of humanity, isn't it? Couldn't have said it better myself, Nick. And you didn't. Um, the it does remind me. I think I told this story ages ago on the on the podcast. But when I was traveling in 2012 on my uh, big overseas trip um, with my former friend Sam, uh, we ended up former in France. friend. Yeah. Do you remember? Like basically, by the end of that trip. I stopped, oh, yes. stopped hanging, like stopped, <laughs> stopped the friendship. Um, it they don't listen to the show, do they? No, no, I haven't spoken to him okay. in, in a decade or more. Um, I'll slag him off then. Yeah, but the uh, I remember we got to Paris and we went to the Louvre, and it, it very much felt like we were doing the Instagram version of of this travel, where 
you know, he wanted to go to the yeah. Eiffel Tower and take the photo, and he wanted to go to the Louvre because you go to the Louvre when you're in Paris and that sort of thing. And I was so excited for it um, because it's like the greatest museum in the world, and it's gigantic, and it's just got ever everything. Um, mm. And so we'd got this sort of early, and I was excited, and we, we were just going to split up because it's it's huge, you know, and you got different interests. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'll meet you back here in an hour or two. Uh, in the central atrium and we'll just like check in and, and let each other know where we're heading off to and that sort of thing. Um, and I was, I was prepared for like, okay, I'm probably going to be here for like at least half a day. You know, there's, there's a good five hours of me like wandering all of this amazing art, yeah. you know, you put a lunch break in the middle. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be the day's thing. Um, sure. and we went wandering off and, did our thing and I'm having a great time. I've got the audio book, you know, like listening to all the, like the little headphone information about the stuff, like having a blast. And then I sort of on my travels loop back through the main thing. And I see Sam sitting in a couch in the middle of the hall. Um, and it's been like 40 minutes or something like that. And he's just sitting there in the middle and I doing well, nothing, doing nothing, just sort of like chilling. And I wander up I, on his phone probably. And I wonder, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, how's it going? Um, and he says, oh, yeah, I think I'm done. Oh, I'm like, no. What? Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of I'm sort of finished. So, you know, you you can keep wandering for a bit. But, yeah, I've sort of done it. You know, went Se- to the... Seen everything. Seen everything. Went to the Mona Lisa. Uh, you know, did my, <laughs> did my bit. And I was like, you've seen the entire Louvre. In 40 minutes. Did like, you say it like that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, we have very different expectations or appreciations for what we are, what we're currently experiencing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not quite done yet. It's, it's been 40 minutes. Um, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, if you want to head off and hotel. do something else, like don't sit around for me because I'm, I'm several hours away from feeling like I've <laughs> appreciated this to its full, uh, its full extent. And did he leave? I don't remember. I would hope so. Not not maliciously, but like, if you don't, if you're not interested in a thing, you don't want to be sitting around there for three hours waiting for someone else. Like, just go do something else. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with like art galleries. It's kind of made me. It's taken me a while to realize to work out how to approach them. Um, because like there is a little bit of like imposter syndrome that you have with people who know art. And if you're kind of going through this exhibition, like you don't, you're like kind of looking at a, a, a painting and you might read the little uh, description next to it. And, uh, it, it took me so long to get over the, uh, imposter syndrome anxiety of like, am I doing this right? And before I realized that like, there is no right, you just, you kind of go, towards anything that you're catches your eye or you're attracted to and you kind of let loose. Yeah. But that took me way too long to actually realize. And I think a lot of people probably do still go through that like that and that kind of turns them off. They think, oh, this is too this is over my head. When in fact it's just, you know, it's nothing. It's like it's whatever it's whatever you think it is. And also I think it's uh, very reflective of the type of art that ends up in museums. Because I, I know from now you know the experience i've had of of visiting places that i have very little interest in portraiture like i I don't really care for like a 17th century 
or you know 18th century portrait of of someone it doesn't like people and, and faces very rarely interest me and the same with like sort of uh like classical kind of stuff like yeah. I, I i can appreciate it like a nice landscape's nice to look at but it doesn't really like sing it's for a bit me. much but uh, yeah I mean, it's, it's not even that i can't appreciate it it's just that it doesn't it's it doesn't do it for me whereas if i end hard. up in a modern art museum or something or something that's got a lot of like really conceptually interesting stuff or aesthetically unnerving or uh, interesting you know fractal patterns or you know like just crazy shit that's when my brain mm. fires up or or sculptures made of crazy you know items or using really inventive materials or like that kind of stuff is i can stare at that forever because it it breaks my brain in a really like pleasing way like how did they make this only out of scissors or like what is what does this mean what does it make me feel what is this color what's this texture that kind of stuff i could stare at a single painting for you know 10 minutes happily if it's got that level of like complexity or interest to me but you don't see that as commonly as you see dull white men from the 1800s staring at the the painter and if you've never had the opportunity to see the variety of stuff that could be hanging in those museums i totally get looking at people walking up and down a room and being like what what are they what am i meant to be doing what are they seeing what am i getting because i don't see it you know yeah i think uh yeah my my appreciation for art is like a lot more basic than that like I, if i if i all i all i'm drawn to basically if i if there is a if i'm if i'm in a gallery and i see a melting clock i'm going towards the melting clock nine got times to. out of ten got to yeah got to I love yeah. I love a Dali. Or I love the melting like clocks. Yeah. It's it's probably a bit like like uh, rudimentary or whatever to people in the artwork, but you know, you like what you like. Yeah. And it wasn't because at the time everyone was like, What the fuck is this guy doing with the clocks? <laughs> <laughs> what is his deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's ants on everything. <laughs> Has he even seen an elephant? If you've enjoyed this kind of episode, well, that's very kind of you. And I hope that it has brought you a moment of joy as you've lived your life and that you'll now enter in the rest of your day feeling uplifted and inspired to perhaps create some art of your own. There's plenty of ways that you could uh, keep in touch with us if you'd like. You can listen to other episodes in the podcast feed. You can find us on Facebook. You can reach out to us on Instagram, send a message, like our posts. You can listen on Spotify and give us the old five-star rating. Same with your Apple podcasts. And as previously mentioned, you can send a question or a comment or a bit of feedback to deepfort at gmail.com, and we'd be sure to read it eventually. How are we closing this bitch out, Nick? Uh, I would appreciate if you didn't use that kind of language around me. But I'd like to talk about ringtones. All right. Bling, 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 bling. <laughs> what if it's just we play Crazy Frog for the next 17 minutes? <laughs> you know what? Um, in a movie that I mentioned the other week, the Adelaide film Talk to Me, um, yeah. one, of the, one of the characters in that she's – it's like set in modern day, but she's got the crazy frog ringtone. I thought it was quite an interesting <laughs> joke because it's something that only like millennials would probably get, but it's like quite interesting, like having a, a younger kind of Gen Z making fun, like doing that ironically. Right. So this um, is like a also, 2023 
16 year old or something with the crazy frog ring yes wow yeah 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 good it's call. pretty pretty interesting michael i don't know if you've updated to the old ios 17 but i sure uh, have man sure have a lot of, lot of nice um, improvements features you know uh but one of the big ones some new ringtones and i feel like oh. we're in a era now where a ringtone is almost a rare occurrence i i, I sure. certainly live hashtag silent life and i know many people yeah. do but I feel like that we might be missing an opportunity here to mm. just explore some of these ringtones and what they might say about you as a person. Because, you know, historically we're, we were living in a world of beeps and bloops and now we're in a polyphonic soundscape where the crazy frog feels like he's right next to you. Um, mm. So I, I thought that I would just uh, go through Can a few Can I just of these. ask, what, what was your ringtone before this? Was it just the default? I genuinely dun, don't dun, dun, dun. know. Yeah. No, I would have changed it from that. I would have changed it from that. Maybe I'll be able to find it when I look back through. Um, okay. So there are a whole bunch of new sounds. And I, I feel like they've had some uh, explicit influences, like musical influences now. And I just I just want to get some feedback as we go through some of these. And just you let me know what kind of person would use this and or what kind of uh, inspiration do you think was taken with these with these things? Got it. So this is this is the classic, of course. So that's default. That's the current oh. reflection. I did not know that. The the that's old, an alarm to me. The old. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, old one there. That's, that's that was that's been retired. We're not living in a marimba world anymore. I did send you a link, right? I think, of someone playing a like ballad version of the marimba. On piano? Did you uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. yeah, I think I did. Yeah, anyway. So the this is your default. Yeah. Everything from now on, we're in a new area, right? All I right. think I think we're gonna write that one off as basic bitch. Now we're in a world where you've made a conscious choice, and so I wanna know what this says about you. Alright, hit me. Arpeggio. God. Oh. It's too much, obviously too much. Mm. It sounds like it's going towards like more of a like a clubby kind of thing, like a David Guetta kind of thing. But mm -hmm. then it kind of I like that it gets a little bit melancholic. That's at what the I was end. gonna say. I think there's actually an interesting tonal thing there where the the it almost it's like a minor note in this second phrase where it goes from being yeah. just sort of like an alert into like almost a a, a feeling, you know? Yeah, intrigue. It's um uh, it's the second chord that the does it for chord. me. Yeah, let, but still not for me. It's yeah. still not for me. It's too much. Maybe maybe this is the way we should approach this. Maybe we should try and find you your new ringtone. So okay. keep that in the back of your mind. Um, I, I also think that the tonality of some of these is interesting. So let's let's keep this moving. Breaking. It's, it's it's neither here nor there. I don't like those chords at all, though. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit nothing for me too. Canopy. That's kind of interesting. It kind of sounds like it could be the start of a song. Yeah, it's a little bit more pleasant than breaking, but I don't think it gets there for me. Chalet. 
See, that I feel like we're in Bibio territory to me. That that is very. No, I was gonna say there's a little bit of a warp on there. It's like it's like put through a tape. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a wobble, which I really love. A little little nostalgia. It's very um, nostalgia. But it's also it's soft and it's also it's kind of loud enough to get your attention with the kind of the bells. And I think what I like about it as well, I, I, when I'm look getting a phone call in this day and age is traumatic enough. What I don't want is Terrifying. to feel like I'm being smacked over the head mm. with some abrasive kind of ringing shrill buzzer, you know. And I think this has a real. Mallet. It's like it's yeah. like a wave. It's like a nice kind of like a wash of, hey, I'm hearing something. Oh, yeah, my phone is receiving a call. You know, it it's, puts it's me a realization. in a much better place. It's a realization that someone's calling you rather than uh, an abrasive, terrifying feeling. Yeah. Uh, what's that one called again? Is that called chalet? chalet? Yeah. And what, a, like what an emotion. Too. French. Yeah. Love it. All right. Chalet. We love chalet. We're loving chalet. Chirp. Octave shift. And now, here we go. Got a little bit of like Your a syncopation. Ringing. Answer your fucking phone. Um, yeah, I think I think that's got you written all over it. It's got a bit of a that grower like- energy there. Like I wouldn't have thought when first listening that chirp is what I want, but it's got a musicality behind it that actually intrigues me. I might set that to your individual ringtone. Not that you okay. have ever called me. Okay, I know never will. And also, I don't know what your international number is. Uh, this one's Daybreak. This is written by Boards of Canada. It feels that way. That's great. That's lovely. That's, That's in the same lovely. vibe as Chalet for me. It's got a certain, like, restrained... Uh, nostalgic wistfulness like I feel like yeah. that's what I want it to sound like when my deceased grandmother calls you know like that absolutely that's bringing me back somewhere to a nice place that's not screaming ringtone for me but I think I would use that for an alarm that's the kind of thing I like to wake up interesting to. yeah I feel like that that one would get annoying for me that's interesting to me i think musically like changing when the arpeggio hits or the order of the arpeggio and then like the number of repeats it does like they've taken a swing there mm. wouldn't you wouldn't you love to see like a just like a short documentary on the people that make these ringtones I, i'd be it's begging for it isn't it it is begging Have for s- it how and how like how do people sign off on it? Like, what are the criteria yeah. that Apple's looking at? How is when it passed through, through the chain of command? Yeah. Oh, that one's just a little bit discordant, or that one's not discordant enough. Yeah. What are the notes? What are the that notes? people are getting from uh, from Apple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm noticing with these ringtones is that I think that Apple have made, are making a conscious choice to make uh, ringtones with like interesting, making them more interesting, like musically. I agree. Musically interesting. This is why I brought this segment up because when I was going through this process, I didn't think it would have like, like musicianship. Done, you've done this whole thing already by yourself. Oh, I have. Yeah. I, well, because I've chosen your ringtone. But I was, I was like, just imagining Casey li- like listening to you from the other room <laughs> while you're playing through all the ringtones and just going, hmm, that's not bad. That's interesting <laughs> to yourself. Look, I don't want to re- peek behind the curtain here, but it probably happened. Um, Cute. Milky Way. Too much going on. I agree. I think they overdid it. I think for one, talking about space, it doesn't give me space vibes at all. No space vibes. And this is the other thing with a ringtone. Presumably, you're going to be hearing it quite a lot. Yeah. And you have to factor in that there's going to be some. uh, It's. It's. There's going to be some depreciation, some serious depreciation once it leaves the uh, the car yard. Yeah. So I think that is. Just that's never going to work. That's tolerable at best to start and would only grow increasingly uncomfortable the more and more you hear. Yeah. (laughs) This is not a ringtone. I'm trying to think who, who is that ringtone for? It's an interesting that one. Is it, I was thinking maybe um, like a bit of like a hippie kind of mum. Yeah. Well, here's what I was thinking. I felt like it was the um, career guidance instructor at high school. Like they're, mm, they're in a class, okay. they're dealing with some, you know, you've had a one-on-one counseling session with a kid and, you know, maybe the principal's calling to say, look, we've had another, you know, stabbing on the lawn. Can you come and help? But they don't want to interrupt the vibe of right. telling Lacey she'd be a great gymnast, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah, good call. Do you know why I like that one? Is it the chromatic scale at the end? I love that you're conducting the ringtone just then, by the way. People, people, this is what people don't get to see. Nick conducted that. Um, you know, uh, not so much about what, the, what it was going on musically there, but it kind of reminded me of like, um, it made me think the feeling was your, your reception is, is just trying to get your attention, but you're in a big meeting, but it's an, it's a, it's an urgent yeah. phone call, but she's being very polite. She's going, you know, she's trying to tell you that you she's stuck need to her head in call, the door, but she's being very soft and polite about yeah. it. I and mean, that's what I wanted a ringtone. Yeah, that's that's a good it's call. Like, you don't you don't have to take this, but you might want to. And do you know what it's called? It's called tease, which I think is perfect. Oh, sexy. Yeah.
Oh, you like that one. 7-8, Michael. 7-8. Is that really? 7-8 wow. in a ringtone. That's just a straight-up good song. In the year Whoever of my lord, that. 2023. That was that my has lord. Nico Muley written all over it. That is that is the end of a prestige drama. That's a great, that's a just a very good piece of music. Yeah, that one is titled Unfold. And I think it has class, it has sophistication, it has nuance, it's appropriate in every environment. You would happily let that ring in a doctor's office, in a meeting, you know, out on the field. No one's going to be judging you for that. In fact, they're going to walk away with like a positive association, I think. That's a head turner. That's a head turner. Your 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 phone ringing in in the doctor's office, like yeah. or waiting in the waiting room. People are looking around, go, "Who is this guy?" Is there a and billionaire here? that is that is so classy, fucking beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. like something out of the no, leftovers. A, okay, yeah, I haven't seen it, but totally. I just want to agree with you. I appreciate that. Oh well, that, that was fun, Seggy. So the. the that's the list. That's what we've gone through. That's the state of the ringtones 2023. How are you feeling, Michael? Do you, do you reckon you're back off silent mode or has it, has it swayed you into a, maybe an update? Well, how, do, how about I just show you what my ringtone is? Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, to answer your question, I, I like that Apple is kind of stepping up their game. They're obviously investing in some Big interesting, money. talented camp composers. Yeah. Um, so I do think it's a step up. Do I think people are going to go for it? Do I think the average person cares? No. But, um, you know, it makes for good content on, on a podcast. Um, so this is my... Business decide. Well, it's a figure of speech. Um, <laughs> this is my ringtone. That's spicy. That's, what I, that's really, that's your yeah. ringtone. If I called you right now, that's what it would play. Yeah. Wow. How did you end up there? It's very percussive. So, yeah, it is just percussive. And that's what I liked about it. There's not too much going on, but the the actual, uh, I, I believe it's a Congo. Uh, it's quite, so, it's got like a roundness to it, like the actual sound. It doesn't cause me anxiety. And a lot of sounds, especially when I'm surprised by them or not expecting them, cause me anxiety. Mm. Like a, a spike, a spike in anxiety. Mm. Like if you screamed at me right now, I would go, you know, like I'd feel yeah. it in my, uh, in, my, in my body. So that sound to me, those, those, those congos are, are warm enough that I'm not startled, um, but also gets my attention. So that's why I've landed on timber. Okay. Well, I, I think for those of you playing at home, I think our highlights were definitely the, the chalet. Love Shallow and Daybreak, both of which had that nostalgic wistfulness. And in fact, yes, Daybreak is where I landed personally. Um, so if you okay. were to call me, that's that's where I ended up. Oh, so you've, you've actually gone there? I, yep, yeah, I, I was I was already on Daybreak. Yeah. Okay. Well, please, uh, listeners, write in and tell us what your ringtones are. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a poll. <laughs> do a poll. Your favorite new tones. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are the other features of iOS 17? 